I have long since given up any idea that I'm good. I know I'm not good. And if you have this attitude inside that you're good with God, we're not good. We're never going to be good. And that's why I love the gift of repentance and why I love brokenness before my Father. The Gospel writers tell us that Jesus came into Galilee preaching the Gospel of God and telling men to repent. He said that he had come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And he said that unless we repent, we will all likewise perish. There seems to be a lack of preaching and teaching about repentance in the church today, and so a dreadful lack of its practice among confessing Christians. Many don't understand that it is essential, first for salvation, and second, for an ongoing walk of faithfulness and growth in the Christian life. Today we'll talk about the key role repentance plays in a man gaining freedom from addiction to pornography and sexual sin. I'm your host, Nate Dancer, and this is Purity for Life. Dustin Renz is a graduate of our residential program and a frequent speaker at our annual conference. He has a solid understanding of the scriptures combined with a real testimony to the work of God in his own life. And last year he sat down with biblical counselor Jim Lewis to look at what the scriptures teach about repentance. And I'd like to play that interview for you because he does a really good job of explaining the vital role that repentance plays in finding real freedom from sexual sin. Our goal today is to talk about what role does repentance play in freedom from pornography. And so just as we get started, Dustin, I wonder if you could, from your knowledge of Scripture, from your experience, tell us what is biblical repentance? How would you define it for our listeners? Sure. Uh, so repentance in the Bible it's really one of the major themes throughout Scripture. You see it all the way back in Genesis and all the way to Revelation. And there's a couple of word pictures that Scripture gives us that I think helps to kind of clarify what it means. In the Old Testament, the primary word used in Hebrew for repent is su. And su means in Hebrew uh, to turn back, to return, to restore. It's got the connotation that I'm heading in one direction, and I'm going to turn away from that toward another direction. And so when it comes to our hearts, um, essentially, the direction that our heart is going, if we're involved, we're talking about sexual sin. So if, we're, if our heart is really driven toward sexual sin, whatever that looks like uh, specifically, uh, repentance would look like turning not only away from our sin, but there's also the other aspect of turning toward the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's that... that uh, the change of direction of our hearts. In, in the New Testament, they use a different word in the Greek. It's metanoia, and that actually means to change your mind. Uh, however, I think in our uh, culture, we use that kind of flippantly. Well, I changed my mind about this decision or that decision. But it really is talking about a reorientation of how we view things. And so we, where we once uh, saw our sin lightly, we enjoyed it, we had a desire for it, that the Lord through the process of repentance, actually 
changes our mind, but that results in a change of lifestyle and a change of our heart's direction and desires. We're not talking about a slight change in direction. We're not talking about, well, I was thinking this way, and then I just changed my mind. Both of these pictures are pictures of radical life change. Yes. What I've heard it said before is that we, the things that you once loved, you learn to hate your sin and, and re, uh, replace that with love for God. And so we're talking about not just a flippant one-day decision. We're talking about something that literally changes the course of someone's life from pursuing their sin and self to actually pursuing the Lord and uh, forsaking their sin. Well, Dustin, it's been my experience, and indeed I did this for years. A great many people confuse confessing their sins to God with repenting from those sins. But we both know that you can confess without ever repenting. Tell me the difference between these two things. What's the difference between confessing your sin and repenting from your sin? Sure. Um, Probably the easiest way for me to explain it, let me just describe my own experience um, of this, because when I look back over the years that I was a believer and yet had sin in my life, um, I see confession was very regular. And so I gave my heart to Jesus in a Teen Challenge Center back in 2002. That's where I first encountered the Lord. I had freedom from drugs, alcohol, um, pornography, everything for a year while I was in the program. And when I got done with the program, I was accepted to go to a Bible college. And in that time, um, I had some temptation to look at pornography, and slowly over time, I allowed that back into my life. And the Bible school that I went to, um, they, we had chapel five days a week, and almost every chapel, they opened up the altars for anyone who wanted to come up front, uh, whether it was to confess or repent or maybe felt called to some ministry. And so I, on a regular basis, would run up to the altar, um, even sometimes in tears, and cry out to God because I had looked at pornography that week, and I felt horrible, and and. I would continually do that, and then I might have free, uh, what I thought was freedom for a few days or weeks or even a month or so, and then I would fall into my sin again and run up to the altar again. And I took it even a step further. I, I actually had a friend in school, and he and I both uh, were looking at pornography, and so sometimes I would even confess to him. And what I realized is that confession made me feel better. It, it appeased my guilt, and I felt like I was doing something. I was trying to do the right thing. But when I look back over those months and years, I was still in my sin. And so the, the Bible talks a lot different in the New Testament about what repentance looks like. In, in um, John, John the Baptist in Luke 3, 8, he used this phrase. He said, "...produce fruit in keeping with repentance." And um, people were asking him, what, show, what, what do we do? They heard his message, and he would tell them, well, if you've, if you've got a clothing or food to share, share it with people. If you're a soldier, don't extort money. And, and he gave them these practical ways to work out repentance. Um, Paul, in Acts 26.20, said something very similar. He, he said, I preached that people should repent turn to God, and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. Mm-hmm. And so... The, the reality, what the Bible describes, is not just uh, confessing and staying in active sin. It, it, it describes repentance, that, that there will be some kind of evidence, and that evidence is a changed life. Um, the way you know you have repented of something is you're no longer involved in it. And 
it doesn't mean you can't be tempted. It doesn't mean in a moment of weakness someone may uh, succumb to temptation. But the overall picture of your life, if you've repented, that thing is no longer a part of it. And so when I look back at my time at Pure Life, the way I know I repented of pornography eight years ago is for eight years I've not been involved with it. And that's, that's the evidence or the proof and the lifestyle that shows what God did in my heart during that time. Well, Dustin, you just talked about coming to repentance during your time in the residential program at Pure Life. Would you describe how that happened for us or tell us about that? Sure. I I ended up at Pure Life. uh, I don't want to say against my will, but I wasn't wasn't really desiring to come. I was in a very dark place. Um, I had actually confessed uh, to my wife eight months before I got to Pure Life about my my secret sin, and basically our whole life got torn upside down, and um, I went through eight months where I attempted to walk in freedom in my own strength without true repentance, and so I went to see psychologists, I went to see Christian counselors, I read books, I I got put on medication for mental illness, I I was doing all of these steps hoping that they would be the, the solution. Mm. And the one thing I wasn't really willing to do was go to Pure Life Ministries, because I guess the, in my spirit I just knew what, was gonna, what they were going to do. And when I look back at that season, I realized I was willing to do everything that I could other than really do business with God and repent wow. uh, before going to Pure Life. So I arrived in that condition, and I really didn't believe God would do anything for me. I didn't believe that I was fixable. I I just thought that God would have totally rejected me. And so he had to bring me through this process that I've seen so many people um, go through when they walk through repentance. It's this breaking down of your self-will and this revealing of your heart. of, of You have to really see your sin for what it is. You have to be able to see your heart and see um, just how you have, you know, offended the law of God. And so I, I went through several months of this, and all I can do is explain it was like every situation God used to reveal to me my pride, my selfishness, how I really didn't care about how my sin affected other people. I really just wanted what I wanted. And it was a season of time where I felt like I was constantly confronted by the Lord with the condition of my heart. And in that time, as I began to see it, and that he kind of peeled the layers off of my heart, um, I began to really cry out to him and, and really just begin to say, Lord, I see what you're saying. I believe what you're saying about me. I see it. I, I want to be free from this. I want to change. And it didn't happen immediately. But over the course of time, there was about a, a week period where I really found a turning point, and I, I sought the Lord in the chapel there one-on-one, just did business with God. No one was around. It was just me and him, and really just said, Lord, I I see what you're saying. I need you to change me. And he responded to that cry, and he really just revealed to me that if if I wanted the relationship, that he he knew what he was going to get when he called me, and if I still was interested in in pursuing him, that he was available. And I just had this moment of of saying yes to the Lord. I think that's... Mm -hmm key to repentance is I said yes, and I remember praying, Lord, whatever it takes, I want you. I don't care what you have to do. I don't care what you have to strip away. I don't care what I have to walk through. I just want that relationship with you. And um, so it, it transitioned from that point to more of a, a building up process where he began to 
reveal himself to me more, and he began to help me make, uh, you know, um, make amends with people I'd hurt and, and apologies and, and repent to people. And it just began this journey that's lasted the last few years of, of just discovering him in, in this whole new light that I didn't see before when I was involved with sin. So, Dustin, let's get down to our key question. As you see it, what role does repentance play in freedom from pornography and from all other forms of sexual sin? So I think repentance is is really the starting place or the foundation for true freedom from pornography and sexual sin. The reason being, I've, I've been involved with different counseling uh, techniques and 12-step programs and different... Um, different ways that people try to tackle this issue. Sure. And what I find is a lot of those deal primarily with behavior modification, mm-hmm. um, trying to change the externals in order to try to control this uh, area of sin. And it's not that behavior modification has zero value. It's that if all you do is address the externals, you've not really addressed the heart. And that's really all sexual sin, if it's pornography or any other form of it, there's a root issue. It's the sin of the heart, and that's lust. And so if you can get somebody to block their phone and get off the Internet and throw away their magazines and, and, and not really be free internally, they're not really truly free. And I meet people like this who they've had some external changes, but they'll tell you, they're just white knuckling their mm-hmm. freedom. They're just every single day. They're 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 struggling. They're trying so hard not to sin, but their whole life is consumed with trying to manage this thing. And I've told people that's just not my experience of what true freedom is. You don't really sound free. Um, you sound like you're still in bondage. You're just not having any way to act on it. And so, the reason repentance is crucial is because repentance, as we said, it's a change of the heart. It's the change of the direction and the passions of our heart. And so where we once were so consumed with this thing in our life that we were addicted and we couldn't get free, now our passions are so much more toward the Lord and seeking after Him that that we we don't have time to sit around and just worry and and think about our old sin. And so I think the the issue has to be dealt with at the root, because if you don't deal with the root issue, you're always going to just be dealing with the outward manifestations, and, and that only has so much value. And so um, I think that's that's absolutely key. I think repentance is really the starting place. If someone wants to be free, that's where they need to, to begin to pray and ask God to do a work of repentance in their life, because that's what's going to achieve the, the lifelong uh, freedom that's more than just white-knuckling our sin. You are walking in freedom yourself. You have overcome this, and you've been walking in freedom for years now, and I think anyone listening should be able to take some hope from that. But let me ask you the question, what hope can you offer to the man in sexual sin that there is help from the Lord and that there is a way to freedom if he will just practice real repentance? Absolutely. I think one of the things that helped me so much was hearing a lot of the testimonies um, while I was in the program at Pure Life, because I didn't really believe that there was if, that freedom was possible. I didn't really actually believe that God could ever do something in my heart that would actually bring me to a place where those things were no longer part of my life. And so hearing other people's testimonies, 
and um, listening to what God did in other people's lives gave me some hope that God could do the same for me. That you know, the Word says that God's no respecter of persons, mm-hmm. and so if someone's listening to this podcast, um, the reality is there's hope for you. And if he he could do it for me, I promise you he can do it for you. Um, one of the things that really helped me um, in the program, the my, the first uh, assignment that my counselor gave me. He said, you need to develop a cry to the Lord in your heart. And he kind of, it was interesting advice. He said, just begin to cry out to God throughout the day, even if you don't feel like it. And he said, it might feel mechanical, but just begin to have this prayer prayer communication with the Lord. Just tell Him you need Him when you need Him. And so I remember thinking, walking out of his office and thinking, that's, what what good is that going to do? And so I began to do that. I, I'd be tempted. I'd have a thought. I'd have be tempted to look at something. I'd have these temptations, and I'd just begin to say, Lord, I really need you. I just need you. And I, it felt so uh, mechanical at first, but what happened over time is it became real in my heart to where, you know, years later, I mean, that's my life, right? That's still my life of being in, de- in total dependence of God and crying out to Him all day long when I need Him at different times for different things. And so... I would give someone that advice, just begin to cry out to God and begin to express your need to Him and realize that uh, He wants you to repent. The, the Scriptures are clear. In Second Peter, it says that God wants everyone to come to repentance. It's something that, that He already wants for you, and so you're just stepping into what He already wants and He's already willing to provide. Uh, he's not holding it out and just hoping that you know, trying to tease people and trying to, to kind of dangle it over their heads. He, his desire for you to repent is greater than your desire to repent. And so I would just encourage anyone to cry out to Jesus, begin to express your need, and, and realize one thing we didn't mention about repentance is that it's not a one-time shot in the arm when you get saved. It's a daily thing. We, I'm right. still walking in repentance all these years later. Um, and that's something that I learned there in the program, that, that daily walk of repentance, because the reality is I'm still uh, susceptible. I, I say stupid things. I do things that I wish I hadn't. I, I walk in ways contrary to the ways of God. And as soon as the Holy Spirit reveals it and I see it, I'm immediately saying, Lord, I want to repent. Help me to repent. Uh, I need your forgiveness and making things right. And so it's not just a one-time, if you're looking at pornography, you're, you're, you're stuck in sexual sin. We're not just talking about a one-time event. We're talking about a doorway that you're going to walk through that's going to lead you into a lifestyle that continues that walk of repentance. Um, And that's what my life's been the last few years, is just walking in daily repentance as I see the need. And um, there's freedom in that, because the Lord uh, continues to show grace and mercy. Um, One other thing, in, in 2 Timothy 2, Paul talks about in verse 25, he's, he's instructing Timothy, and he says that you should um, gently instruct your opponents in the hope that God will grant them repentance. Right. And so we see in that scripture that God, he's able to grant it. It's like a gift from mm-hmm. God, and it's, it's painful, it's difficult, but it's the most beautiful thing you can walk through, because on the other side, there's intimacy with the Lord, there's communion with Him, there's fellowship with His people, and there's freedom from your sin. And so... I would just simply start by asking the Lord to grant you repentance in your life and see what He does with that prayer. Dustin, from the Scripture, from your experience at Pure Life and your personal testimony and from your years of ministry, you've given us a full picture of biblical repentance, and I appreciate your time today and for uh, 
for talking to our listeners about this. Sure. It's been a pleasure talking with you, and I appreciate it again. So we've seen that repentance is necessary and essential for freedom from sin. But one thing that many people fail to understand is that repentance is more than just a one-time event that happens at salvation. It's an ongoing process, a lifestyle, a daily walk of repentance. In this next segment, Kathy Gallagher helps us to understand why repentance is not a one-time event for a true believer. And she exhorts us to allow God to do that deep work of repentance inside of us. I'm joined in the studio today by Kathy Gallagher, and she is co-founder of Pure Life Ministries and for many years was director of our WIVES program. Welcome, Kathy. Thanks, Jim. It's good to be here. We're here today to talk about the subject of repentance. Now, when we read the New Testament, we see a strong emphasis laid there on the need for repentance from sin when a person comes to Christ. And even though that is seldom preached in church anymore, it is still the clear teaching of Scripture. Describe for me, if you will, in general terms, what this repentance usually looks like in the life of a new believer. Well, we've had lots of experience around here watching um, people come into repentance, and in my own life, it's just coming to the realization, in simple terms, that I'm a sinner, and I am in trouble, and I need help. And I think people just recognizing that they are separated from God, and there's some desire, something inside a soul that knows they're wrong, but they want to get right. That's very simple in general. So when you came into repentance, what did that look like for you? It was kind of a months-long process for me, um, just this inward disturbance, I would call it. And um, I knew that I was in trouble spiritually, but I didn't know what I didn't know what any of that stuff meant. I didn't know about sin. I didn't know about repentance. I didn't know anything. But what I did know, there was just inside. I knew that if I died, I would go to hell. I don't know why those terms even came into my mind because I wasn't raised in the church. I didn't know any of these things. But there was just this terrible disturbance inside that I was not right. And um, eventually, after months of being tortured by this thought, conviction. I was just under tremendous conviction. Of course, I didn't know what that meant, but I just, I, I was, I wanted relief from it. I wanted to um, get right. I was tired of being afraid that God was going to step on me or something. It was terrible. I was living in just absolute torment, but. Gratefully, I was put in a position to actually deal with my sin issue. Again, I didn't know that I had a sin issue or that what it, that even really meant. But I was um, a Baptist pastor sat me down and was telling me what the scriptures said about sin and that my sins could be washed away, and that I could be made clean. And I jumped all over that because I knew in my heart that was the issue. And I repented of my sins 
August 1st, 1979, sitting in my sister's dining room table with a Baptist pastor I'd never met before, and I walked away a new creature. And that was my entrance into the kingdom of God. Kathy, you said that you repented of your sins. Just for clarification, there are many people who confuse confessing their sins, agreeing with God, saying it out loud, and repenting of those sins. Would you describe for us the difference as you understand it? Well, yeah. Confessing is saying you're agreeing, um, admitting that you're a sinner. Repentance is turning from that sin, turning from that life. Um, And they're two totally different things. One, you shouldn't confuse one with the other. Yes, we are supposed to confess our sins. That's the beginning. But repentance, real biblical repentance is turning away from self. Ultimately, that's what it is, turning away from those behaviors, that lifestyle. At our annual conference earlier this year, a theme began to emerge that we believe the Holy Spirit was teaching us that he was calling us to a deeper repentance. Now, when you hear that, that there is a call from God to a deeper repentance, what does that mean to you? Well, I believe, I think this is true, um, that a lot of Christians think that once you've had that initial um, come into the kingdom experience that that is it that it's a you're you did repent i repented when i got saved but i believe and this has been my experience for 40 years as a christian and many other saints that i'm close to have had the same experience that it's a daily thing it's it is me submitting myself to a holy god and inviting him to come and keep cleaning keep dealing with me keep showing me because I know that I have a fallen, sinful nature, and that nature did not disappear at salvation. It is still with me. And I know if anybody's honest with themselves, you you sin. We sin in life. We say the wrong things. We do the wrong things. We crave the wrong things. And because of that, at least for me, I have constantly ask the Lord for forgiveness and I turn away from known sin. I when I if I sin, for example, if I say something ugly to someone, I will go to that person, I will repent to that person in tears usually, and I repent to the Lord. So repentance it's a lifestyle. It it is for me. And we definitely teach that here at Pure Life Ministries because it is a it's a foundation stone of the Christian life. As God deals with you and you examine your own heart, what are some of the underlying sins of the heart and the disposition that God calls a Christian to deal with and then turn from? Well, there's a myriad. (laughs) Where do you begin? Um, In my own life, I'll use my own life as an example. Just, again, it's attitudes of the heart. For a lot of people, there's anger, there's bitterness, there's covetousness, idolatry, sexual lust, fantasy. There's stuff in us that is contrary to who God is, and we're supposedly being conformed to his image. And so 
these it's not just like sexual sins or the big sins you know we don't smoke we don't drink we don't fornicate those are the that's the evangelical list of do's and don'ts but i believe in god's kingdom it's attitudes of the heart that can be all kinds of stuff and attitudes and hatreds and lust and bitterness wrath anger malice i mean in the new testament there are several lists, especially from Paul, that he lists out of Christian life behaviors um, that we should try to attain to and ungodly things that we should abstain from, repent of, and turn away from. So it's like there's stuff inside of us, and it's not just the evangelical list. It is attitude, heart attitudes. And I know for me personally, that was, I didn't have big outward sins necessarily. In my journey with the Lord, he's had to go after heart attitudes in me because that's where my sins reside at. They are residing in my heart, things that people cannot see, but God sees. God knows who I am. He's got my address and he goes after those things. So for the man who's listening, who has tuned in because he deals with sexual sin, he might say, well, I'm not looking at pornography anymore. I'm not engaged in this kind of sexual sin anymore. But what I hear you saying is if he still has anger in his heart, if he still is dealing with fear, if he's still a critical judgmental spirit, if he has unbelief, they're just as repugnant to God as any outward manifestation of sexual sin. That's right. Yeah, and I don't think God measures one sin from another. I think the difference for us as human beings looking at sin, for example, a wife looking at her husband's sexual sin would consider that the most heinous crime on the planet. But God doesn't see it like that. It's all separating us from him, all of these things. And it's all contrary to the life of a Christian. I know for, yeah, I'm pretty strong about this. It is the attitudes of the heart that God is going after. It's the sins of the heart that God's going after. So you may not be in sexual sin anymore, but if you are angry, bitter, critical, all the things that that you just mentioned, Jim, if you're in that, those are undealt with sins that need to be dealt with because all of that all those openings, I'll just say it that way, that we, I consider those things openings to just, it's like a pathway into sin again. That's where it's going to take you because it's unconquered, undealt with. And that's why the the whole idea of daily repentance, it's like I start off my time with the Lord repenting. Even if I don't have anything specifically, I want to clear the garbage out and have a clear communication with my Abba. And the only way I know to do that is to repent of myself, and and then I can enter into his presence. Well, you just said daily repentance, and, and that should lead someone to conclude that there's not just repentance at the beginning of the Christian life, it's ongoing. And even in the deeper repentance, it's not a one-and-done thing. I repented of my anger. We may have to repent of our anger, many times throughout our lives. It's so true. It is so true. How many times have I had to repent to the Lord for my fear or for a critical spirit? And those things that 
don't seem like a big deal to some people are those are the things that God has just gone after in me and I'm so grateful to him for it but it is a painful process and I think we get tired of it we get tired of (laughs) how do you say it I'll say it this way you get tired of being dealt with you get tired of seeing yourself but the brokenness that comes through letting God show you instead of ignoring it and pushing it aside let him shove it in your face so to speak although he's a merciful and patient father he will still discipline you and correct you and that is such a gift I'm so grateful that the Lord does that and I'm grateful for the brokenness that he's brought into my life showing me what I am I have long since given up any idea that I'm good. I know I'm not good. And if you have this attitude inside that you're good with God, that to me is a red flag that something's really off and you need to go back to square one and start over and really get before the the father and find out because that we're not good. We're never going to be good. And that's why I love the gift of repentance and why I love brokenness before my father. He loves it. He loves a broken and contrite heart. We just can't walk before him without his grace, can we? That's right. That's right. We have to have him. Well, as we wrap up here today, what would you say to our listeners to encourage them to engage in this ongoing process of seeking a deeper repentance? Pray. Just go before Abba. I call him Abba every morning. He's my Abba, my daddy, my father. And I ask, show me, Lord, search me. Search my heart and know my ways and reveal to me if there is any evil thing in me. And he does. And he's faithful. And he's he's good. When When God shows me, I don't feel beat up. I don't feel rejected. I feel loved because it's coming from a loving Father who cares deeply about me. Thank you so much for sharing your personal experience and for teaching us about the deeper repentance today. It's my pleasure, Jim. Thank you. So Dustin provided us with an excellent examination of repentance from the Word and from his own experience. And Kathy Gallagher reminded us that there is a deeper repentance that God is after, and it lasts our entire lives. The important questions for someone in habitual sin to ask are, have I really repented? Has my mind changed? Have I turned from my sin? Is my heart turned toward God and away from sin? The truth is, our hearts have to change, or there is no real repentance. Now I want to add here that repentance is both a gift from God and a command. He gives us the grace to do it, but the doing is up to us. Our first experience of repentance may be very remarkable because we've turned from a lifestyle of sin. But God is going to continue to reveal sinful attitudes and other sins and require repentance from us for the rest of our lives. So what role does repentance play in freedom from pornography? It is essential as far as God is concerned. When we seek the freedom to live life the way we want, we only find loss and bondage. But in repentance, submission, 
and complete surrender, we gain true freedom. That's all for today's show. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.